0: America. No,
1: Welcome America to the Midas Touch true. podcast. Ben Micellis here, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy. We have a great podcast for you today. We have Michael Cohen as a guest. And I know people have had Michael Cohen as guests on their shows before. <laughs> but let me tell you this. There's nobody who will interview Michael Cohen the way the Midas brothers will interview Michael Cohen. First off, we're all from Long Island, uh, including Michael Cohen. We grew up around the same area. We're all Jews who know where the laser is hidden, specifically. (laughs) Who told them where the lasers were? That's the crazy shit that Marjorie Taylor Greene is spewing that a Jewish laser is causing California wildfires as Donald Trump supports her with those messages and messages that 9-11 is a hoax and her message that the school shootings like Parkland was uh, committed by crisis actors and didn't really take place. Um, All of these horrific, you know, lies, anti-Semitism and disgusting things she spews. I want to ask Michael Cohen about that But that brings us to a natural starting point where I reflected in the last podcast that uh, we can no longer call the GOP conservatives and that they lost that title when they embraced and they support people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Bobbert, that QAnon has become part of the very fabric of what it means to be Republican and that there is nothing conservative in the old way the word conservative used about these people. These people are ridiculously fascist and crazy and psycho. And Brett and Jordy, uh, Breitbart uh, and right wing, crazy, psycho, fascist media was not appreciative of me calling them out. Now, were they? They were not there, Ben. So Breitbart wrote an article. And the headline was anti-Trump Pack." current GOP, no different from ISIS. And the funny thing to me about the way they laid out this article was by making that great, great headline, article, great article, a really <laughs> good article. By, by laying it out with that headline, current GOP, no different from ISIS with a picture of Josh Hawley as the header. It sort of felt like an implicit approval of our statements until you actually read the minutiae of the article and the article overwhelmingly felt very positive towards us talking about our big reach and the success success of Midas touch. I mean, if 100%. this was a hit piece, you got to come harder at us, Breitbart. For some reason, <laughs> I tend to enjoy when places like Breitbart write about us even more when than places like Huffington Post and like CNN. I don't know what it is, but it's just a badge of honor. And our email box just became flooded with hate mail. Yeah, now. we get the craziest, <laughs> the craziest, we get the craziest emails. So this was a One that I got from somebody named Ann Olson. I did this, I I made this a screenshot, and then I posted it on Twitter. Yeah, let's Um, talk about the screenshot before you get into this. When Ben says he did a screenshot, Ben means he took his phone up to his computer screen and took a photo and then posted the photo online. That's a screenshot. Ben, Ben, you could see, you could see like the mouse cursor in the actual photo. It's the most pathetic screenshot. Listen, I know you, I know you are very self-conscious about people knowing that you're a millennial, but there's no reason Ben, why you don't know how to screenshot an image online and post that. I saw all the posts were just people saying like, I'm trying to read it. I have to blow it up. Maybe it looks okay on a 70 inch screen, but Ben, why don't you read it (laughs) for the people so that they could understand what was going on in this post? Yeah. So first off, not a millennial. I'm a Gen Y and I got the system was rigged and I've recently been called the yeah. millennial by mm-hmm. people with an agenda Two, let me read it for I'm you. This is what agenda. Ann Olson wrote. Yeah. A, a, a millennial agenda. It would be millennials <laughs> want to suck other millennials into <laughs> the title because it's just so self-deprecating to be a millennial. Let me read to you the email I got <laughs> from Ann from ann olsen a millennial would laugh like you brett okay that's what a millennial <laughs> would do in that situation yeah millennial keep laughing this Proceed. is what this is what ann olsen said how dare you call me and anyone like me that supports president trump terrorists dot 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 I suggest you leave this country before you stir up someone that might really be insulted by your comments. Your comments could cause somebody to want to hurt somebody like yourself or others around you. It's creepy, smiley face. Yes, yeah, very creepy, smiley face. But let's pause there and analyze uh, and analyze uh, Anne's first email, uh, because this goes on, because Ben responded. Uh, so Anne, <laughs> <laughs> as people do, she first starts it off by saying, how dare you call me and anyone like me that supports President Trump terrorists, and then immediately shifts into a death threat. <laughs> saying that people are going to come to you and it would be a real shame if somebody killed you. I don't sounds, think she's making the best point. like something a yeah. terrorist might say. She's not making the best argument here in, in terms of dissuading people of her terrorism. What say you, Ben? I go back to her and I say, I'm not worried about that. Thanks for the feedback. I am going to keep doing what I am doing every single Natural response. I thought it would end right there, but Ann Olson <laughs> responds to me five minutes later. Yes, I was told that you're full of shit. Good luck with your life. And by the way, this won't help you make any money, asshole. But this is what I expect from a left-wing lunatic in Californication. First okay. off, who's your source, Ann Olson? Who's telling you <laughs> that I'm full? That I'm full of shit? Is there? A, Is there a source for that? I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that cited. And then by the way, this won't help you make any money asshole. I don't even know. She my financial advisor right now, this Ann Olson. (laughs) I think it's just important, though, that people note, yes, of course, your was misspelled. So you're full of shit, not you are full of shit. And meanwhile, you're the lunatic. But every sentence she ends with an exclamation point that just makes the email that much more aggressive. Also, she calls California Californication. Good show. Really, really good, good show. show. Enjoyed it. Watched every season. Highly recommended. I don't see how that's an insult. Yeah, I'm Gen Y. I'm smooth. I'm sophisticated. <laughs> I'm lowercase letters. And I'm correct spelling. And finally, here's how I ended this discussion. The TKO. I wrote, I do just fine in my other work to let me work for Midas Touch for free, where I get paid in your white supremacist terrorist tears. (laughs) That's such a good closer. Yeah, that was an epic closer. And has Anne responded since that devastating knockout blow? This, yeah, the this short answer is she wrote me something crazy this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not continuing this crazy. I'm not continuing this crazy. Okay, conversation. How long how long do you think this would go on if you continue the back? I and forth? think you have to. I think you owe it to the Midas Mighty to keep it up just one response a day until she quits. Well, let me hear it from the Midas Mighty. If you think that I should respond to <laughs> Ann Olsen, please tweet at myself as B and let me know you should continue this conversation going <laughs> with the crazy MAGA person who wants to see me dead. But <laughs> I have bigger fish to fry. And it's not you, Brett, the minnow fish, the middle fish, Brett. Brett getting a, <laughs> Brett getting a lot of love on Twitter these days. A lot of people say Brett is the naughtiest. I've seen that comment. The naughtiest. Naudiest, the naughtiest. A few times come up. They know that Brett is quite naughty. But let me talk to you about a naughty idiot who is a loser and not named Brett Mycelis. It is somebody named... Little Stevie Lawson. Oh. Stevie Lawson's back in the picture. Stevie Lawson's back in the picture. For those who don't know who Stevie Lawson is, that's probably best that you don't know who Stevie <laughs> Lawson nobody is. Nobody should know who it is. Nobody really should know who yeah. this who this human being is. Stevie Lawson was the communications director for looting Kelly Loffler, who was the worst communications director, <laughs> like literally ever. And he randomly would try to come after me like every week or every other week and not only that but he would like creep into my replies and I wouldn't even like realize it until like I would just see other people attacking him from being in my replies and I'd be like dude you're the deputy campaign manager (laughs) like like, can you just get out of my freaking replies man well, he was proved to be the very worst uh, campaign manager that there was. We made a video about him. Let's play the clip from the last Midas Touch podcast where I talked about Kelly Loeffler's horrible campaign manager, Stevie Lawson. Play the clip. Loeffler's <laughs> communications director, oh, deputy campaign manager, <laughs> Steven Lawson. Little who- Stevie. Little Stevie, Stevie where'd you go, little Stevie. Stevie, I'm looking at you, you seditious traitor, you despicable, <laughs> disgusting human being. You may have blocked me on Twitter for calling you out as the worst political operative in the history but don't think the Midas Mighty has forgotten him. Stevie (laughs) Lawson thought that he was some fucking rock star wanting to boost his Twitter fucking presence and looks like a piece of shit fool, Stevie Lawson. Stevie Lawson, you embarrassed the country. You embarrassed the family. So that's what I said about Stevie (laughs) Lawson. Little Stevie 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 (laughs) Lawson. So Stevie Lawson then proceeded to He's, by the way, he's at Stephen Lawson underscore. You'll find him. Just look at my timeline. I I still go after him. But then Stevie Lawson blocked me, blocked Midas Touch, blocked my brothers. He was so devastated, apparently, by the Midas Touch truth telling that he went private for 24 hours. Great communications director. <laughs> yeah, right. as, yeah let's, hide, turns- let's hide all my communications as a communications director. This is But anyway, Stevie Lawson, you know, in his next career path, he is now one of the leaders in a group that was just announced today. What's it called, Brett? It's called Stop Stacy. So their goal is to stop Stacy Abrams from, I, I guess what they say is radicalizing America, which when you chip down to what that means is allowing people to vote. They basically started a super PAC to stop people from voting to try to stop Stacey Abrams and the efforts of organizers from getting people to the polls in Georgia, because that's the only way somebody like little Stevie Lawson and his <laughs> shitty candidates could win elections. Little by not Stevie letting Lawson. people vote at the polls. Little Stevie Lawson. How many times can one person just be on the wrong side of history? I mean, oh, it, little Stevie Lawson, like, you out. know, little Stevie Lawson self-flagellates. He's an S <laughs> I'm I'm this is my opinion. I have no facts. This is just my own personal opinion. I think he self-flagellates, you know, so he whips himself. And I think he's totally into S and M. Like he just loves being beat. You could tell with that shit eating grin of his that little Stevie Lawson is just such a he's such a I won't even go there. Um, so I, 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 I have the group's say, mission statement here to get us a little back uh, on track. And yeah. so it says here uh, <laughs> their <laughs> mission you, statement bro. is we will, some self flagellation to the group's mission statement, uh, we will do whatever it takes to expose Stacey Abrams' radical network and highlight her dangerous agenda and ultimately defeat her and her left wing candidates at the ballot box. So Stacey Abrams has not even announced that she's running for governor <laughs> yet, but they've, they've created a super PAC against her hypothetical. Uh, campaign. campaign. (laughs) They use the same tropes that did not work in the last (laughs) election. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock, radical liberal Raphael Warnock. The people are over that shit. The people want legitimate politicians who can freaking govern and they don't want to hear radical liberal radicals. Stacey abrams people are done with that language and what stevie lawson needs to truly be worried about is the candidate that he's supporting brian kemp is being attacked by the president who stevie lawson supported and showed subservience to while self-flagellating president trump <laughs> when president trump basically whipped Stevie Lawson into doing whatever the hell Donald Trump wanted and had and had Loeffler basically mimic all of the Trump conspiracy theories and stop the steal bullshit ultimately for Leffler, when she finally took the stand in the Senate said that her conscience couldn't vote the way she told everybody she was going to vote and didn't hold up uh, the electoral votes from being counted so I think Brian Kemp right now, his approval rating stands at just 42%. His disapproval rating is 51%. And more than one-third of Republicans, 36, disapprove of his performance. But Brett, would you highlight more than anything is that what's really under attack here, voter rights is under attack in the biggest way possible. Like, yeah, we did give some of these you know, Republicans in certain states that stood up against Trump, like the Brad Raffles burgers, to some extent, you know, the, the the Kemps, to some extent, you know, Governor Ducey and in, in, in Arizona. And we've given some of these Republicans like credit, but like, it's really hard to because at the end of the day, they just didn't rig the game enough. And now they're out here, rigging the game in any way they can. I mean, and that's what they're doing. The Georgia GOP is doing everything that they can to prevent people from going to the polls. They're trying to make it as hard as possible for people to vote. And this is one example, and this is just one of the most ludicrous examples out there, but this is a mainstream Republican thing. Georgia Republican is introducing a bill requiring voters to send copies of their photo ID to election officials two times before they're allowed to cast an absentee ballot. Do they have to send a freaking blood test too? Like, what are they going to make people do? Remember that stupid game growing up? I don't know if you remember it because you're a millennial and I'm a Gen Y. It was called, (laughs) this is a Gen Y game. It was called Mother May I. Do you remember? Like there would be someone who was mother and you would ask Mother May I like, and whoever would get to mother first would win. So it'd be like, Mother, may I walk five steps? Mother, may I, you know, walk fifty steps? And whoever was playing mother would get to decide who who gets to walk. Now, I quickly figured out that this game was rigged because mother gets to choose whoever <laughs> basically wins, and it's the dumbest game ever. Yeah, we played it. We t- I, I know you guys have no clue. We we you guys played freaking playstations while I was playing Mother May I. Mother May mother I Gen is this like a Mike. We'll is this a Mike relate. Pence thing? <laughs> But I've never heard of it. But, but the point is, is that what the GOP wants is to make every possible obstacle imaginable for you to vote, you know, before you can actually get to the ballot box, you know, requiring two photocopied. one who even has photocopiers. I'll tell you this. Know, I don't I don't have a working printer in my house. So if I lived in Georgia and they passed this rule, that would mean I would not be able to vote. Now, think about how many other disenfranchised people, how many other people who don't have the money to afford a printer, how many people do not have the time because they're balancing multiple jobs to send two separate photocopies to the government in order to be eligible to vote. This is clear voter suppression, and we need to fight it at every turn. And we are so lucky that we got in senators like Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff who are seeing this for what it is and who are supporting legislation like the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that will prevent states from taking voter suppression tactics like this. And here's a little fact bomb for you, Brett. According to the Brennan Center for Justice at New York University, state legislatures as of now have filed since the last election over 106 bills that are aimed to change the election rules to make it much more difficult to cast the ballot. This is more than triple the amount of bills on this topic, you know, at the previous time at the last election. And so you know, they're going to try to prevent no excuse absentee ballots. These Republicans are going to try to do everything to prevent the vote. And we need to step up. And as you said, Brett, this is an issue that the Democratic Party is fighting for. Everybody deserves the right to vote. Now, I talked about fact bombs, but let's talk about another type of bomb. <laughs> Saki bomb. That's a good segue. So now the I know why you're of, such a good lawyer, the man. The king of segues here right now. I've been impressed Let's talk about a sake bomb. And no, not the sake bombs that us Gen Y's. It's all interweaving this episode. Not the sake bombs that us Gen Y's did when we went to Benihana's. Do you even know what Benihana is, Brett, or do you? Of course, we did all of our Benihana trips together. Of course, I know what a Benny. That's not a Gen Y thing. Come on. Okay, so I hate when people did the actual sake bomb. It makes the biggest mess possible. And I guess the sake bomb is when you put a little shot glass of sake in the beer, you put the two chopsticks um, on top of your cup, you then put the sake shot on top of the chopsticks, and then you bang the table and you yell sake bomb. It would give me headaches. It would make (laughs) me incredibly just kind of stressed out and paranoid that it was going to spill everywhere. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I quit drinking. It just made the whole process very annoying. <laughs> so so you just I doing feel... sake bombs? There are other th- ways to drink than <laughs> sake bombs, Ben. Like, you know, I feel it's... very strongly against sake <laughs> bombs. But, but can you tell us, Brett and Jordy, about the sake bomb I'm talking about? So the sake bomb we're talking about is Jen Saki, the press secretary, who just absolutely crushes it day in and day out when she gets asked either a dumb question or the answer to the question is something just so obtuse that the reporter who's asking it should have known better. And we got fed up, man. We got fed up of of these dumb questions and these ridiculous reporters coming after Jen. And you know what? We said to each other in our text group, hey, we should make up a term for every time that Jen... You know, dunks on a reporter or a question. And I came up with a really bad example. I'm not even gonna say it. Uh, Brett came up with an example. Jordy was like, Saka dunk. I'm like, okay, yeah, so- so like Saka jack. All right, Brett, your example wasn't that much better, so I'm not even gonna say it either. Mine was Ben good. comes over the top. They got, they got sacked. Yeah, that was brutal. And then Ben <laughs> comes over the top with the absolute winner, guys, Saki bomb. And my so, head exploded, Brett's head exploded. Yeah. And then what happened? And next, I just Brett? and I just I, and I went to sleep that day. I said, my work here is done. It's only 830 in the morning. I've contributed to Midas Touch. I said, Ben, I that's why you get paid so well in those white supremacist white- tiers. <laughs> you tears. You are in white yes. supremacist <laughs> tears with that one, Ben. And so we tweeted out a very simple tweet. Anytime Jen Saki dunks on a reporter will henceforth be known as a Saki bomb. And Twitter went into a tizzy with Saki bomb becoming one of the top four trends in the United States. Everybody was supporting it. At first. At and first. then it seems like Still there was it's a, probably overwhelmingly overwhelmingly 90, but. I would say 98 percent of people. But then yeah. there was a faction. I would both. say our support rate is very similar to when Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> on the Saki bomb, court, when Donald Trump would send those emails that 97 percent of the Republican Party support. Yeah, I think about 97 <laughs> percent of everybody supports Saki bomb as a thing but let me tell you something we we've been talking a lot about unity and what does unity mean in america and we brought unity to america because it's not about dunking on reporters i mean there are great reporters if you ask good questions you should you know that's the job yeah. of journalism but the stupid kind of gotcha questions the questions that say many democrats have said duh, 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 duh and then not be able to answer who are these people that you're referring to that are saying these things. Or if you start asking questions, do you think that it is a little bit mean to the democratic constituency that you're doing? If you're going to ask, infantile and silly questions. I think it should be non-controversial that you're going to be called out. We love good reporters. Like We need a strong and free press. It's an essential part of our democracy. But let's not act like everybody in that briefing room is going out there with good faith to ask questions that everybody needs to know. A lot of them are trying to get sound bites. You have OAN in there. You have Pete Ducey in there. I mean, do those people speak for me? Absolutely not. And here is a weird one. We got this tweet From a reporter, I guess, who was offended at us talking about a press secretary dunking on reporters. And this is what you said about Saki Bomb. This is trending in my timeline. It's difficult to articulate in a single tweet the corrosive effects that Stan, spelled S-T-A-N, Stan culture migrating to politics has. But reporters are on your side. Criticize them, sure. (laughs) But they're in the room to hold power to account on your behalf. First off, like it's I genuinely consider I myself me. a decently intelligent person. Like <laughs> There's a lot of that that I genuinely have no clue like what it means. And that's that's part of the problem. I mean, that elitist sort of snobby culture is how we got into this. In well, not everything's place. a culture, Stan culture or this culture or that culture. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, we, just, we made like a silly play on words. Yeah, Bomb. we came up with Saki Bomb, which is <laughs> we, a dumb expression that 97% <laughs> of people support. And we tweeted it out because Jen Saki was asked a dumb dumb question and she sake bombed him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cla- I'm going to give you the reporter's name. Okay. Claire Malone, the reporter, who I was <laughs> the aforementioned reporter who I was about to
0: keep anonymous. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Leave us by, alone, Claire. And then, by the way, then people have the nerve after she tweets out that. And, by the way, she does a screen grab of, of our tweet. She doesn't even tweet us. She does yeah, a screen at grab us, of our add us tweet. next time, Claire. Add yeah. us, please. So she comes at us. And then I we people have the nerve to come after us. You know, when we respond to her ridiculous tweet saying, why are you going after Claire? We're not going after Claire. Claire came after us. We put an end to it. That's not going after Yeah, I like the concept that you're not allowed to respond when people call you out. And you know what? After four years of having a press multiple, multiple press secretaries who just gaslit the American public day in and day out. For once, we have a press secretary who is actually delivering it to us straight. It seems to be doing it to the best of her ability. And I hope the press holds her to account. But we also have to hold the press to account and everybody to account. And God forbid we take this time 11 days into the administration to just show our appreciation that we have just a normal fucking person. In this position again no doubt and as we hold everybody to account hold yourself that's a bad transition i was gonna try to you see i was i was on a roll with transitions you Got see where you? i was okay. going there quit while no, you're ahead it's a, it, it's, a, it's okay if you're a the hall of famer system is as long as you're three for ten <laughs> you're basically a hall of famer which is this is a system i this is a system i, I subscribe, subscribe to, to. yeah uh, before i go beyond three of ten let's take a break When we come back, though, the thing that's just frying my mind are so-called progressives who are attacking President Biden for not getting every single thing done in two weeks. We're going to talk about that and more and bring on the lasers and Michael Cohen when we return. You're listening to the Midas Touch Podcast. Welcome back. To the Midas Touch podcast. Now, this infuriates the shit out of me. And when I get infuriated, I curse. I try not to curse too much because I curse too I much. Re- Someone told me I curse too much last episode. I know so that's the why. cursing's the thing we have to yeah. tone down our cursing. Gotta, gotta, we can't turn, turn off. Down. I haven't the cursed Midas once Mighty. this episode. I don't new, think tone. New, tone, yeah. new tone, new tone, new tone, new tone. Less, less cursing. But when I get mad, I curse occasionally. And I get mad when there are people who call themselves progressives, and you could be progressive but who have no understanding generally of the way the political process works and are already basically criticizing and using inflammatory hashtags like Biden lied. I don't even think these people are truly progressive. I think they're just chaos agents who are out there just to royal up shit. I cursed again twice. And they're saying things like we were promised the stimulus checks. We were promised the survival checks. Biden lied. The Democrats lied. We're not going to vote Democrats again. Now, it's a small group of people who are saying this. But what the hell are you doing? What are you saying? Do you know the way the political process works? We've been 10 days, 11 days, by the time you're listening to it, maybe 12, 13 or 14 days. But we've been two weeks essentially into the Biden administration. (laughs) And he's repealed the Muslim ban. He's ended the zero tolerance policy that kidnapped children. He's reversed the transgender military ban. He's ordered hundreds of millions more of vaccines. And trust me, you know a friend and you know somebody who's actually getting that vaccine now. It's actually hitting you that these vaccines are real. He's instituted federal mask mandates. He's invoked the Defense Production Act to produce more COVID supplies. He's ended DOJ contracts with private prisons, rejoined the World Health Organization, rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, expedited plans to honor Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. He paused student loan payments and evictions, defended Dreamers, restored ethic rules. Oh, I'm out of breath, Brett, but that's a whole and that's, lot of- things. And that's the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> and, and look, we all agree that if they don't pass survival checks, we are going- to hold them accountable but i am okay that within the first month this is going to get done you know within the first 45 days it's going to get done you have to literally move in to your office undo a ton of the damage created by trump for you to then Actually, move on things and, and initiate things. I mean, it was just a few days ago that we in the, the Democrats in the Senate negotiated a deal that allowed them to assume the leadership of committees. So we're moving as quick as we could be moving. And look, I just want you to know what we're dealing with here. Brett, if you could play this clip on the Republican side, on the obstructionist side of what they're trying to do. Play this clip of Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana on what his view is of certain spending in this $1.9 trillion stimulus package being proposed by the Democrats. He has $170 billion for schools. Now, we've already given schools 110% of what what they usually receive from the federal government. Parochial schools have opened with a fraction of that money. Charter schools are opened. The real problem is public schools. That issue is not money. That issue is teachers unions telling their teachers not to go to work. And putting 170 billion uh, towards teachers unions priorities, it takes care of a democratic constituency group, but it wastes our federal taxpayer dollars for something which is not the problem. Imagine your issue with the COVID stimulus bill being the teachers are the problem and they're receiving too much aid just terrible take right and then play this clip um it's of an anderson cooper interview with a subscriber a former subscriber of QAnon, about what he believed about anderson cooper and i want you to remember this is what mainstream republicans view how do we know this is what mainstream republicans view it is indisputable that donald trump remains the leader of the Republican Party. And Donald Trump just last week supported Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is the QAnon leader in the Republican Congress. So let me just make the logic game very simple for you. If the leader of the party, Donald Trump, supports a leader in Congress who's QAnon, you are the QAnon party. That's what you become. So let's listen to what they believe. Did you at the time believe that Democrat, high level Democrats and celebrities were worshipping Satan, drinking the blood of children. Anderson,
0: I thought you did that. And I would like to apologize for that right now. So I apologize
1: for thinking that you ate babies. OK, and so that is who on the Republican side, when we talk about unity, bipartisanship, how the freak do you negotiate? You see, a curse. how That's do you negotiate so with those people? And it's so easy if you really want to say this is not our party. You know what you do? You expel those members from Congress. At minimum, you censure them. You know what you don't do? You don't start elevating them to positions of power and to Senate committees, which is what this party is doing, which is a tacit approval of all of these statements and kooky conspiracy theories and a slap in the face to Americans. Oh, There's no doubt about that. So look, we as Democrats, we took a bipartisan approach. We tried to see and Actually, we're still trying to see if a bipartisan $1.9 trillion stimulus package that's going to deliver on the promises can be achieved. But the Republicans don't want to do that. They just want to be the party of no. And so the Democrats are pivoting very quickly to a process that's known as budget reconciliation. Now, Budget reconciliation is a fairly complicated process. But what we need to know about budget reconciliation is that if a bill can be considered a budget reconciliation bill, you only need a majority of senators to vote in favor of the bill versus 60 votes because there still exists a filibuster. So you have to get through a 60 vote threshold if it's just an ordinary bill. And for it to be a budget reconciliation bill, it has to pass what's called the Bird Test, B-Y-R-D, named after a Senator Byrd, meaning it has to be legislation that affects spending, revenues, and debt limit laws. So if it affects the power of the purse, which is a power of Congress— and for the Congress's right to make budgets and to implement budgets, then it could be framed as budget reconciliation. And you can pass things through this process, although it can get, why wouldn't you do everything by that? Well, it has to be classified as spending, revenue, or debt limits. And if it doesn't pass some of these parliamentary tests of meeting those stringent requirements, certain aspects of the bill can be removed from the bill. And so it's just a very arduous process for both the House and the Senate to come forward with a budget reconciliation process. But you now have the Republicans basically acting like reconciliation and getting this passed through that process is, you know, a horrible thing, that it is a betrayal of the of the mission of unity you know, and it's just no. We tried unity, okay, but we're not going to be stupidity um, in the in the attempt to find unity. And as Gen Saki, aka Saki Bomb, said, reconciliation is a parliamentary process. It's a way to get legislation through. It's a way to get relief to the American people, she said. The president wants this to be a bipartisan package regardless of the mechanisms. Republicans can still vote for a package even if it goes through with reconciliation. There's no blood oath anybody signs. They're able to support it regardless. And so we're moving as fast as we can be moving these bills. And laws take a little bit longer than 10 days. And we're gonna be the first to hold politicians accountable if they don't make good on their promise. Isn't that right? It is absolutely right. It's only been 10 days. And uh, Joe Biden is welcoming Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and the other 10 GOP members who made this bill to the White House today. But let's be clear about what the bill the Republicans are proposing is. They are not offering any aid for state and local governments. They do not want to give anybody stimulus checks. So... Basically, this bill is just a poison pill. They know the Democrats are never going to go for it. They want to put it out there to have this fake sense that they're trying to be bipartisan when they know it's A, not never going to pass, and B, will never help the American people anyway. No doubt about it. Impeachment hearings are next week. Not the smoothest transition, but we got to move this show along. Impeachment hearings will be taking place next week. We have some Updates number one, the QAnon and Shaman. The QAnon shaman, he may be testifying against Donald Trump. I mean, who are stupid. Are we coming that? We're talking QAnon about. QAnon QAnon shaman. Shaman. I wonder if uh, I wild. wonder if the, the shaman will be wearing his uh, wolf. If it will, he be wearing his wolf garb in court and his face paint. Is that permanent? It is, is that, they it might bring it for evidence. I, yeah, I bet they bring it for I mean, it's it's so pathetic. The shaman intends to blame the entire thing on Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the shaman hates the shaman hates Trump. Now the shaman's going to pursue the life i'm making this up the shaman's gonna pursue the life of a yogi um, he's going to be <laughs> he, he's gonna be cueing yogi and uh he will be anyway but how crazy what was it from uh 300 was that the movie what it was called like this is sparta. sparta you could just yeah. imagine the circus of him going in and saying this is shaman this, this wanted- non-organic food is hurting my tummy oh god <laughs> So all of Trump's lawyers dropped out of representing him for impeachment. And so Trump just keeps digging and digging deeper and deeper to find some legal representation. And so finally, on Sunday night, we heard that Trump had hired two attorneys, uh, Bruce L. Castor Jr. and David Schoen. Now, let's give you a little bit of background about these two. Bruce L. Castor Jr. ran for district attorney of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. But what is he most known for? He's most notably known for not wanting to charge Bill Cosby with sexual assault and letting Bill Cosby off the hook. And then suing one of Bill Cosby's victims. Suing, suing what, one of the victims. That's what Bruce Castor is known for. Now, Next. tell me about David Schoen. Let's say about David. So David may be a different story. I I, I don't know. David Schoen is shown as an Atlanta-based civil rights and criminal defense attorney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get to the good stuff. Help get to the meat. So not only do you represent Roger Stone, who uh, we all know, K- chaos agent Roger Stone, but... He also was going to represent Jeffrey Epstein and met with him multiple times in prison prior to his death. So Trump Look, has put predator-defending, pedophile-defending attorneys in his thing. I don't know if Trump confused impeachment with his upcoming rape trial. Um, I'm not sure if if these are the right attorneys for the job. But Ben, you know, attorneys all the time have to defend you know, not so great clients. It's, it, it comes with the job. I understand everybody needs representation. So how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not normally one to say, well, this attorney represented these people. I'm not one to hold grudges like that. But this is all the GOP does, by the way, is, is they say they blame attorneys for who they represent and treat the attorneys for representing people. Look, in the Raphael Warnock Senate race, Senator Warnock was criticized because a lawyer who happened to run a gigantic law firm who represented Harvey Weinstein as part of that gigantic law firm donated money to the Warnock campaign. That was the big headline in all of the right wing fascist newspapers. Um, Raphael Warnock accepts a donation from a lawyer who represented Harvey Weinstein. Really? So now you as the GOP You know, literally, you couldn't find two lawyers with a pedigree and representing the literally most vile people in the world and the two lawyers who are now representing Trump. But what they say is birds of a feather flock together. Now, one piece, though, about this impeachment that really hit a core, it just made it all feel a little different. One of the things that really got me is when I saw Jonathan Swan of Axios. Um, recently, interviewed the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, um, and Vladimir he asked Vladimir Zelensky because remember Ukraine had seen multiple revolutions recently, and they looked to the United States of America and their pro democracy movements as a stable democracy, as a place where none of this could happen. But when I think about these impeachment hearings, these words from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky are always going to be in the back of my mind, and probably in the back of my mind forever. I could not imagine that something like this was possible in the United States of America. вважаю, що це I believe this was a strong blow to democracy of the United States. It is just that after something like this, I believe it would be very difficult for the world to see the United States as a symbol of democracy in the world. I mean, it's just frankly embarrassing. And, and for, you know, those of you who remember, Zelensky was the guy who Trump tried to orchestrate this whole quid pro quo with. It was the reason that phone call was the impetus for impeachment number one of Donald Trump. And uh, that's Zelensky, you know, it, it's just very upsetting to hear that from another world leader. A world leader. And that's the the strength of America internationally, is that we were this beacon of hope. We were this beacon of democracy. And Donald Trump crippled that. He tarnished that. And it's going to take a lot of time to rebuild, even as President Biden pursues pro-democratic traditional american policies and foreign affairs engagements people are still going to wonder like can i really trust these people can i trust this country what's going to happen i'm I'm hearing about you know q and all these crazy kind of cultists that exist there is this an ally that i can trust and that brings me to this final point brett as we as we know that there were revolutions in ukraine but we heard about this coup that took place in myanmar um, recently, and Myanmar was once Burma. Oh, before I get into Myanmar, just the one fun fact for our Midas Mighty out there listening. This is just a fun fact about Zelensky. Zelensky, who's the uh, president of Ukraine, was like the Ryan Seacrest of Ukraine. He was on a show called League of Laughter. He also was in a scripted series where he played the president. He was the sitcom president who then became the president. I just think that's an incredible, that's, that's, an incredible like, that's like that Seth Rogen movie. Um, right? But yeah. <laughs> so just, so, so take that truth bomb into your pocket. But going to Myanmar, which was once Burma, there was a coup and the leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, and other senior figures from the ruling party were detained. The leader, Kyi, was a Nobel Prize winner. She came to power in 2015 with a landslide election. There were significant criticisms over her recently over certain human rights abuses. What I want to focus on here is in connection with the coup, the language that's been used to be report, when it was reported on. And it, here's from some of the articles. I've compiled some. The military of Myanmar, alleged discrepancies such as duplicated names on voting lists in scores of districts and was unhappy with the election commission's response to its complaints the military did not say if irregularities were substantial enough to have changed the election outcome while leader chi won 83 percent of available seats in the most recent november 8th election which was seen as a referendum of the fledgling democratic government there were minor irregularities that were there. and But election observers said that the voting was without major irregularities. And Brett, when I read that, what does that sound like? It sounds like the United States of America. You know, we, we have to, as a country, we need to investigate all alleged human rights abuses and and you know, see what's going on there. And we also have to make sure, though, that there's a democratic process happening in these countries. And we need to be a, a beacon of democracy, not one that looks at as a, a mockery of it. We need to be set an example for the world. Yeah, no doubt. And that's why I, I wanted to share that. It, it just, you know, we are, as America, really, you know, what we went through is no different than like the coup in Myanmar. And that's not a good place to be in. Um, we come back from the break, We will have Michael Cohen, host of the Midas Touch produced Maya Culpa podcast to get his take on current events. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. The man who needs no introduction, a Long Islander, Michael Cohen, host of the Maya Culpa podcast also executive produced by the Midas Touch Brothers. How are you, Michael?
2: I'm doing good. What's up, gentlemen? I see we got a third one here today. The guy who went AWOL on me.
1: You know what? I blame the other brothers. They totally boxed me up. The problem is a lot of our Twitter supporters are Team Jordy these days, and they're trying to fix that by showing up and doing more appearances than me. The true story is Jordy's bedtime bedtime is kind of around 8 p.m. And so basically anything after 5 p.m. Pacific time, we go, Jordy, you want to do Michael Cohen's podcast tonight? And it just goes radio silent for hours and hours and hours. And then the next day he goes, why don't you tell me you were going to be on Mea Culpa? And I said, dude, we did. You were sleeping. You total fabric, total fabrication. He's the baby of the family, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> Cohen. The fans <laughs> think that the best sure. brother is like a good-looking contest. I mean, look—if you saw photographs <laughs> of me in my mid-twenties, it's a different kind of guy. So it should be viewed based <laughs> on <laughs> brains. Way, thank God! Thank God for that.
2: Right. To be viewed based on brains. I do have to say say that, you know, time has not been a friend to you, but that's all right. I'm sure your personality hasn't changed much.
1: It's it's okay, Michael. At the end of the day, (laughs) it's about personality. It's about intelligence. It's about charmingness. Shut the fuck up, Michael Cohen. Let's get right. (laughs) right. Look,
2: look, at least least you have
1: those three because the looks is
2: not on your side.
1: Let's get right into it, Michael Cohen. Michael, you've heard about. Yes, sir. We're both Long Island Jews and you've heard about the Jewish lasers that are causing the wildfires in California, according to Marjorie Taylor (laughs) Greene. Can you believe, though, that after all of the crazy shit that she said, you know, including those anti horribly anti-Semitic things, her saying 9-11 is a hoax her threatening the Parkland shooting victims as they were going to the Capitol building. And what does what Donald Trump do? Supports her throws at this moment, says that he's got she's got his full support. What do you think about that?
2: Well, is it any different than what I had said last time? And I will repeat it again and I will continue to repeat it till the day I die. Donald Trump is emphatically a racist. He is a sexist. He is a misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti Semite. That's who he is. So the notion that he's going to turn around and he's going to denigrate Marjorie Taylor Greene for making these wildly stupid comments, it's just not within his bandwidth because Donald Trump doesn't give a shit if you're Jewish. He doesn't care if you're Catholic. He doesn't care if you're Muslim. He doesn't care about anyone or anything other than himself. So the fact that she makes a very inarticulate, borderline, fucking ridiculous comment about lasers, you know, um, from from Jews, you know, starting forest fires. Why should Donald Trump get himself involved when he has more than enough shit on his own plate to deal with?
1: Michael, we have the impeachment trial coming next week see i think you would make actually a great character witness for trump in the sense that you knew his mindset you know what he was saying to his supporters now i don't know if you're going to testify you know or not i know the democrats want to keep it you know super short but if you were to testify what would you say at that trial
2: that's actually a great question um First of all, they have not asked me, but what they should be asking, somebody like myself, who got up before the House Oversight Committee, as well as made the same statements to the Senate and House Select Committees on Intelligence, as well as the judiciary. That, And I talk about it in my book, Disloyal. Donald Trump is like a mob boss who talks in code. Now, this code wasn't all that difficult to translate, <laughs> yeah. but there are things in what he had said when he blew this MAGA whistle to these insurrectionists to storm the Capitol. There are things in how he says it that I can get into great length and detail on that will, will basically put the nail in the coffin when Donald Trump is going to use the only argument that he can possibly say is that I never told them to storm the Capitol. I never told them to break down doors. I never told them to try to find and kill Nancy Pelosi or Mike Pence. I never said those words. That's true, Donald. You never did. But when you turn around and you make a gesture or you make a statement like we should go storm the Capitol, we should take over the Capitol, right? What he's doing is he's playing to these insurrectionists the same way he was trying to play to Putin when he said Boy, Russia, if you're listening, wouldn't it be great if 35,000 emails were ultimately found that were whitewashed from Clinton's computer? What do you think he's saying there? It's the same exact thing.
1: One place that the witnesses who are attending uh, the Trump trial, one place they're not staying is the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. Have you seen, Michael, how Empty that hotel is since Trump has left. It's like a it's like a ghost town in there. One of the things that was just so crazy to me, and I don't know, you know, what your perspective of this is, is that you had this bribery, both from domestic and foreign, so transparently out there, both from the moment Trump took power, what we saw in the videos of foreign countries coming in to the Trump building in New York. And what we saw at the Trump Hotel in D.C., what can you speak about that when you were there? I mean, would you see these foreign dignitaries kind of coming in? And was it just known that these people were basically bribing him at that time?
2: Well, you may remember that Trump and children, specifically Ivanka uh, and Don Jr. and Eric, they made a statement early on that all of the profit from foreign dignitaries were going to be either donated or returned to the U.S. government. Now, people have to remember that Donald doesn't own that hotel. It's leased through the GSA, which is part of the U.S. government. So they are, in essence, his partners. The money that they made from these foreign dignitaries was supposed to go back to the government, but that never happened. And if it did, it's in such a small amount that it's not the full extent of how much money was collected. Now, I can tell you that that place became the meeting ground for all dignitaries, for anybody that wanted to ingratiate themselves into the Trump administration. Because at any given time, you could find different administration officials, cabinet members, and so on, all hanging out, whether it's at the bar or in the restaurant that was there. And so it became sort of a breeding ground of corruption. I mean, Rudy Giuliani sitting, for example, on a couch, right, holding court there with his either wine in the morning or his scotch at night was just a regular routine. Seeing Corey Lewandowski or Dave Bossi roaming the area on a nightly basis, figuring out who that they were going to mark next. I mean, that's what it became. The Trump Hotel became a breeding ground for political corruption
1: so michael we got the impeachment trial coming up obviously and it's looking like these cowardly republicans will do anything but convict the guy only five of them actually stepped out of line to say that the trial itself was even constitutional to even hold this guy accountable for inciting the insurrection but there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes there are criminal trials coming Donald Trump's way. Do you have any indication as to how the criminal investigations into Donald Trump are currently progressing?
2: So I guess you're referring, for example, to Cy Vance's case here in New York, the Mm -hmm. New York DA. The answer to that is I do not. Uh, I anxiously await uh, either being called or seeing on television the indictments going out. But today's already, we're in week two since the inauguration of Joe Biden. So why he... Why Don Jr., Eric, Allen Weisselberg, the CFO of the Trump Organization, Ivanka, Jared, whoever, why there are no flying indictments, I have no idea as of yet. And the same holds forth for Tish James. Now, hers, my understanding, is not at the moment being considered criminal, but rather civil. Uh, I also don't understand why that case has not already begun. Now, again, you know, they may have their reasons, and I'm not questioning it. I just, if I was Cy Vance, the second that his ass landed in Mar-a-Lago, I'd have somebody standing there with papers serving him, very much like I did in my lawsuit of Cohen versus Trump organization. I'm already asking for him to be deposed. We already served subpoenas on his counsel and so on. Fuck it. Right, get right to it. What are you wasting time for? You think Donald Trump's going to come show up at your office and pick up the fucking subpoena? Not a chance. He knows he's got trouble. And the longer and every single day that goes by, you're just empowering him. He's becoming more and more emboldened to continue to do the wrong thing. And every day while he sits there at Mar-a-Lago in Magistan, as I call it in Maya right? Every day that he sits in Magistan with his sycophants and his MAGA army. All right, he's figuring (laughs) out how he's going to advance the Trump News Network so that he can now have income coming in because right now there is no income.
1: And it looked like Magistan when we saw the photo of him and Kevin McCarthy with the tacky gold ballroom behind him. It looked like something that you would see of an exiled dictator, like a picture out of Gaddafi's Libya. And to me, New York is just the tip of the iceberg here. He incited an insurrection in D.C. He should be held accountable for inciting an insurrection in D.C. He tried to mess with the election in Georgia. He should be held accountable for interfering with the election in Georgia. So I think there is a lot more to come on the legal front that even beyond our political processes. And I'm hoping that people start picking up the pace and, and start moving on to the next bits of this.
2: And what about all of the various different congressional committees that need to be you know, bringing up charges um, against Trump as well for witness tampering and obstruction of justice and all the other things that he did to people like myself? Right. What I love now, these fucking GOPs and many of the Democrats as well, I have to tell you, it's really beginning to irritate me. Something fierce. They want secret service. They want uh, protection because they're fearful for their lives. Now they want to be able to expense flap jackets, right, bulletproof vests and things like that. I get that. And you know what? They should be entitled to it. But what bothers me the most, where the fuck were they when Trump was doing to me? A civilian, somebody who doesn't have Capitol Police to protect them, someone that's not capable of having somebody shuffle me you know, underground through the subway system to a remote location that's safe. I basically had to drive myself to D.C. I walk the streets by myself. I can't walk with family because you never know what one of his MAGA warriors will try to do because many of them are fucking unhinged. And you know what? I didn't see a single one of them even issue an admonishment to him. So as far as I'm concerned, right, join the fucking line of people that
1: deserve protection. Well, Michael, they will not even defend themselves. He's currently witnessed tampering with them, with the jury in the impeachment trial. A lot of these Republicans apparently are fearing for their own lives, and they still want to kowtow to every single thing that Trump wants. And Michael, the, the impeachment trial next week. What type of shit show is that about to be?
2: So it's funny that you say that because that's what Donald Trump is all about. The whole goal of Trump is to make this into a shit show. It needs to be a circus. That's why I always call him Captain Chaos, because that's what he wants to do. And what's Donald Trump going to do? He's going to play the victim. Oh, damn. they didn't want me to be president from day number one. Day number one, they came at me from day number one. Everything that I tried to do, I did great. We never had it better. I mean, could you imagine he wants the fucking Nobel Peace Prize for creating a vaccine, something that he doesn't even believe is legitimate. (laughs) He doesn't believe the pandemic is real, despite the fact that it put him on his fat ass, right? And Walter Reed, that he's kids got sick, his administration, that there's 450,000 Americans that have died, but that doesn't make a difference to Donald Trump. So what is he going to do? He's going to figure out how to turn the entire impeachment into basically another infomercial on why people need to continue to support Trump Day in and day out with their hard earned dollars, whether they're big donations or small dollar donations. It doesn't matter why you're going to need to tune in to Trump News Network in order to hear the truth. Right. As told by Donald Trump himself with that at the next hour, you can hear the next truth teller, Donald J. Trump Jr. And after that, you can hear more truth from Eric Trump, Laura Trump, Barron Trump, you know, mickey mouse trump and everybody else melania (laughs) trump and they're going to have the whole trump family spewing the same fucking lies over and over again and keep sucking money out of these maga supporters of his
1: that legitimately cannot break out of the cult finally michael we're two weeks into the biden administration how do you think he's doing so i'm actually
2: impressed with what biden is up to um the first thing that he did is he took the look he took the easy route he did exactly what donald trump did and what any president should be doing now you take all of the bad things that the previous predecessor right did and you get rid of it through executive order and that he's doing he started signing an enormous number of executive orders basically undoing Every stupid thing that Donald Trump did from the Paris Climate Accord all the way to, you know, getting rid of these cages for, you know, for immigrants. I mean, whatever, whatever Trump did, Joe Biden is undoing. But the difference and why, again, I'm impressed with what Biden and Kamala Harris are doing, they are actually reaching out to the opposite side of the aisle. The fact that Biden could meet and to talk and to have a civil conversation with somebody like Mitch McConnell in order to try to bring the country to a place of less divisive, um, to a place where it's beneficial to everybody so that they can figure out how to get stimulus checks into the American people's hands. I'm impressed with it because not many people could stomach Mitch McConnell and in light of (laughs) the way that he's been such a fucking asshole and such a supporter of Trump through thick and thin. Now, all of a sudden, he's beginning to slowly move himself away from the Donald Trump Trumpism line, right, to something more centrist. That's only because Joe Biden has been good enough, honorable enough and decent enough to allow that to happen. Because all Biden had to do was say, fuck you. I don't want to speak to you. We're going to do what we want. We're controlling the House. We control the Senate. We control the White House. This is tic-tac-toe schmuck. You're out of the game. But he didn't do that. And for that, I give him a lot of credit. Because I don't know if I would be that decent.
1: And McConnell didn't do it <laughs> since McConnell's been in power. No, he He's not. He's not giving an inch. His whole thing was not giving an inch. <laughs> and you know what I like? I like that every day. Like with Trump, all you would hear about is Trump, 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 Trump. One, I like not hearing as much about Trump. But two, I like a president who moves in the background, who's a bureaucrat, who does the work and gets it done and doesn't make every single day, every single moment about himself. And, Michael, we talked about this on your podcast. You know, it's that abusers mentality that trump had constantly abusing us as a country every day with the gaslighting the lies the the violence in the language the inciting of violence and what we have in biden is what we used to have in presidents we could have disagreements over policies but it's someone who's heads down and, and doing the work i admire that You
2: know, I sit and I listen sometimes to friends of mine, and they're really well-educated, professional individuals, and they always want to bring up Trump and, you know, how I was such a supporter of Trump at the beginning, and now how I'm so very critical of him. And then one of them asked me the other day, are there any policies that you think that Trump did that benefited this country? And the answer is yes. Right, I, I'm not going to turn around and say that there's nothing that Donald Trump did that I think was a benefit, whether to the country or to the world. I have there's no way in the world that you could possibly say that. However, you have to look at the individual and what his mandates were as a total, not as a piece. Yes, I am extremely happy that Donald Trump acknowledged that I have an immigration problem. We do. Wow breaking fucking news. But now don't you need to have a policy for immigration? Okay, I get it. You didn't like what was going on. So you put a a hard stop, but you can't. That's the problem. So he took the popularist view and he ran with it, but then he never finished it. And that's even worse because he took apart something that at least there was a process You knew you had to work within a defective process. He stopped that defective process, but he offered no alternative. So what they do, they put people into cages, and then they send them back. So what did he actually accomplish? And the answer is nothing. And the same holds true for prison reform. He signed a fucking piece of paper. And then he had Bill Barr put out the first step back, 18 USA, I think it's 3632. He had them come up with a overall general theme, to which he, of course, took full pat on the back, that he himself has done more for prison reform than any president since Abraham Lincoln. Again, always to Abraham Lincoln. Well, no, they've accomplished nothing. That act basically was the signing of that one piece of paper, and that they, the BOP, the Department of Justice, Michael Carvajal, the chair of the head of the BOP, they have done absolutely nothing within which to define the first step back. That's like, for example, what I'm suing on right now in this habeas corpus action that I have against the government, the BOP and Michael Carvajal. This is my point. It's easy to take something apart. But why are you taking it apart if you don't have something to replace it? That's Donald Trump.
1: Michael Cohen, men's fitness model, host of the Maya Culpa (laughs) podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, Midas yeah,
2: yeah. Sure, yeah, <laughs> Thank man, you so yeah, sure, much man. for joining us on Midas <laughs>
1: Touch. It's really, and, uh, it's really we'll, hard we'll, to
2: get into great shape when you're on confinement. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you said that. Really quick, I ended up having to go to the uh, to the hospital today because um, I hurt my shoulder working out. Now it appears that I ripped the, the what do you call it the ligament in my shoulder, and now I have to go for, for shoulder surgery on top of everything.
1: Well, we wish you the best on the soldier surgery. If you need me to teach you how to do the the shoulder curls and the things, I got you. Next time, we'll go on your podcast. It got you <laughs> out of the house, Michael. Got you out of the house. It's it sure, a positive. It sure thing. did. Exactly. <laughs> and next time, make make sure the brothers extend the invites me next time. I'd love I'm sorry, to come Which
2: brother are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael Cohen. Always a pleasure. We'll you see you back, well. Midas, Thank you for joining Midas The May Podcast. A right. Have it's a great nice day and uh, and wish you well on your shoulder injury. Take care, fellas. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about the continuing intrusion into efforts to heal the country, both literally and figuratively, (laughs) and this is coming from. Anti vaxxers across the country, but there were two stories, one in LA and one in Wisconsin, that particularly. Right in our backyard, Ben. Right in our backyard. What's going on over there, guys? So let's talk first about in Wisconsin. A far, Wisconsin pharmacist went wild. And Not in a good way. Uh, A Wisconsin pharmacist sabotaged hundreds of doses of the Moderna vaccine. This guy also happens to believe the earth is flat and that the sky is a shield put up by the government to prevent individuals from seeing God. You know, real, normal stuff. And this guy is somehow in a position of power where he gets to decide who gets the vaccine. And so we got that. Then, right here in my own backyard... In Los Angeles, anti-vaxxers come into Dodger Stadium and blocking the entrance, causing this mega vaccine distribution center to be shut down right here in my backyard. For those who don't know, Brett literally lives in Dodger Stadium. I literally live in Dodger Stadium. No, but I used to live like it used to be right by me. I could still see the fireworks of Dodger Stadium from my place. And all I want to know is what is it that these people want at the end of the day? They claim to want to open up the economy, but they reject the same vaccines that would allow us to open up the economy. They claim to support life, but they reject vaccines that have been proven to be 100% effective, not even 98% effective, 100% effective in preventing deaths from COVID. They're totally fine with about 450,000 Americans dying of COVID. They claim to want freedom, but they're blocking Americans- from on their own free will going to Dodger stadium to get their own vaccines. If you don't want the vaccine, that's your own stupid choice that you could make go out, get sick. Don't get the vaccine. I don't care at this point, but don't pretend like you're freedom loving Patriots by preventing other people from getting a vaccine that they so desperately need. And at this point, all the people who are getting vaccines are frontline healthcare workers and the elderly and high risk people. When you're shutting down these facilities, that's not protesting. There's nothing peaceful about this protesting. It's biological terrorism at the end of the day. And can we just talk briefly, Brett, just about the, like what these people look like who are at these protests? Um, they, they're wearing Uncle Sam, like ridiculous Uncle Sam hats, while holding signs that say ridiculous things like, I only like muzzles in the bedroom heart 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 which I because it's a mask and that masks our muzzles to them I mean it's the most Once again if you most, don't like the mask get the fucking vaccine you're still gonna have to yeah. wear the mask for a little bit but that's how we move on from this you get the vaccine so why are you stopping people from getting I it? just want to know Brett like she woke up in the morning yeah she took her uncle Sam hat yep. out of her closet she maybe went to CVS maybe Rite Aid, uh, <laughs> she bought a big poster. She took a magic marker and she wrote, uh-huh, here's what I'm going to write today. I only like muzzles in the bedroom. Ha ha, ha honey, do you like my sign? Oh, yeah, that's so badass, girl. That's so badass. That's how I take the guy's next. Let's, there. let's go to that stadium. So, and yeah, that's so badass, scenes. Yeah, what are we, we going to do? Well, I think that we should go to Dodger Stadium and let's stand in front of the gates and let's prevent the elderly and high risk individuals from getting their vaccine. It's just so despicable. I want to be clear. They're not I I don't think they're seeking, you know, some righteous cause in their own heads. Even I don't think they're actually seeking in their minds, you know, this their this patriotic act. I think they're seeking attention. There's something wrong with these people at such a core level. Now, I'm not letting them off the hook by any means. What they're doing is despicable. But I don't think what they're doing is out of patriotism or misguided patriotism. I think it's out of attention seeking. And that's my Miami Alex moment, Ben. Ben said on the last episode that people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene were doing Second Amendment cosplay. I feel like these people are doing America patriotism cosplay by wearing these hats and claiming to support freedom while preventing high-risk individuals from getting vaccines. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. It, 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 it's so strange. And Jordy, I would be remiss if I didn't close out this podcast because I know people who just heard you speak. Um, the Midas Mighty are going to be very concerned about you because you sounded very sniffly there. You sound, <laughs> no, I don't. You did. You sounded very congested. And I'm not going to lie. Like, as I'm not saying this to be rude. Your nose looks a little like it looks a little crooked. Like, did they did they punch your nose today? You know I have they... bro- you know I got onto a fight I have a broken nose. That's messed up, it, man. You can't really did the you did? nose yeah when you all know that we all are not it's not worth talking about. You know I have a broken nose. That's fucked up. All right. They, but anyway. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> I didn't <just, laughs> know this happened Jordy your nose looks a little crooked right now. Yeah because it's broken because I broke Why it break your nose I no know do you see what I'm saying though his no, nose not, looks like okay. a little bit all right what did they do at the allergy who who broke your nose the allergist Tell us so that's not what happened. But the allergist did not did not go well at all. So Jordy uh, went to the allergist today. Yeah. So, so I'm there. Doctor comes in the office. He goes, Mr. Mycellus, I, I think you filled out the paperwork wrong. I go, what do you mean? He goes, uh, you wrote that you have two dogs and a cat, but you also checked off the box that you're severely allergic to animals. And I go, no, sir, that's that's correct. <laughs> and he looks at me with just like this utter like disgust and just like disappointment. And you know what it reminded me of when we were kids and our parents, you know, they wouldn't get angry with us, but they would just tell us like they were disappointed when yeah, we did I'm something non-man. that they didn't I'm necessarily just, agree. I'm disappointed. Just disappointed, just brutal. Um, and anyway, he goes, Mr. Marcellus, let me ask you this. Are you trying to live every day of your life just as miserably <laughs> and as miserable as you possibly can? And I looked at him without missing a beat. Now I was kidding, but I looked at him real serious. And I go, doctor, respectfully, you know, you're my allergist and not my therapist. I just don't think we (laughs) have enough time for me to really get into this right now. And he didn't find that funny at all. And then he recommended me (laughs) to a different allergist that I have to go see next week. Now you got rejected by the (laughs) the allergist. I have to, I have to go to a different one next week. So Jordan got rejected by the allergist, got referred to a therapist. Jordy, these Midas jokes, man, are very niche with our Midas audience. They don't translate. You can't sake bomb your allergist when you go see him next time, okay? It, it was brutal. I'll come correct. I'll fix my nose. I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to get healthy. Don't worry. Yeah. Jordy, the Midas, Midas Mighty Jordy, are rooting please. for you. Bretton and myself are rooting for you. We need you to get healthy. We don't want to tease you on this show anymore. We love you, Jordy. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We got some great episodes and some incredible guests who are booked in the coming weeks. I want to thank you all for taking the time for making the Midas Touch podcast the top 25 podcast of all categories in the United States. Give us a five-star review. Listen to us on Tuesdays and Fridays and download us whenever you want to download the Midas Touch podcast, recommend this to a friend. We appreciate your support. Give us a five-star review. Did I miss anything there, Brett and Jordy? I think that's good. A shout out to the Midas Mighty!